Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching this video here today. We, we live in an era where there's no discernment and people are you know, falling for all kinds of deceptions. And the reason they're falling for these deceptions is because they don't know the Bible. And if you want to know who God is, the best way is to know what God's Word says about who God is. And uh, so today, Brother Scott Polly has decided to come on, and he's been gracious enough to give us some time. And we're going to talk about Bible study and how to get into the Bible, how to study the Bible. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Now, Brother Polly was one of my Bible college teachers, and I uh, appreciate him. He's had a great influence on my life personally. And really, he's one of my favorite preachers to hear. And he's come on today. So, Brother Polly, thank you for being with us. Thank you for letting me be with you on this broadcast. I sure appreciate it, Brother Spencer. Amen. Well, uh, Brother Polly, real quick, why don't you just give us just basically your resume and who you are and what you've got going on right now and all that stuff. Yeah. Should let my wife give that, don't you think? <laughs> um, you know, I love what you said a minute ago about the fact that the lack of discernment today is rooted in the fact people don't know the truth because um, I think, honestly, you hit right at the heart of it. The best way to spot a counterfeit is to know what the original looks like. So I think um, people who are diligent Bible students, they're able to discern. The spirit of truth gives them discernment. Hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, I'm getting ready to, to record um, a little video that they're going to use in the Washington, D.C. area for a Metro Bible project. Hmm. And uh, they want me to take about three minutes and just share how the Bible has changed my life. And I love that approach because it's a good starting point. It's a good entry point, even for um, people who are not believers, hmm. because it's the foundation of our faith. So, um, you know, for me, of course, I grew up, you know this, but I grew up in a Christian home and uh, dad and mom, happy Christians, and uh, raised my sister and I to, to truly just love church and God's work. Right. But when I was five years of age, I came to know the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. Um, when I was 12, God called me to preach, and the people were very patient with me. All the little grandmas um, encouraged me and lied to me and told me it was the greatest sermons they'd ever heard. And uh, my dad and lots of other preachers just they they were to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> but people invested in me. And so when I was about 16 or 17, I visited Crown College. Uh, it had just opened and uh, God led me there. I had no idea I was going to spend 22 years of my life there. Um, yeah. Take me that long to graduate. I ended up staying and teaching. But uh, that's where I met my wife. And um, God put so much in me there. And then about five years ago, God led us to take a step of faith into full-time evangelistic work. And so I'm trying to give my life to the gospel and to help pastors, encourage churches, and place an emphasis on revival. And one of my favorite things to do, frankly, is not only preach the Bible, but teach the Bible. You know, when, when that gets in you, you want to do it. That's why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's something in you that wants to teach. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's good. And so I'm trying to do as much of that as possible along the way. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, when I got saved, uh, I didn't know anything about the Bible. My testimony, I was 18 years old. And when I showed up at Crown College, I uh, was was just new and, and had <laughs> no idea what anything was. I I sat in the dorms with all those Christian school kids and, and it was a culture shock for me. And, uh, sure. you know, but I was challenged, uh, you know, by Pastor Sexton and and uh, by you and Mr. Thomason to get in the Bible for yourself and read the Bible. And I've, I've made that a habit of my life, and, and God has revealed himself to me so marvelously in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And uh, even today, I was reading the book of Jeremiah this morning, and just God just showed me things about himself there, and I just I was just so thrilled. It just, it's amazing to do that. 
And, um, you know, one of the things I'm burdened for, Brother Polly, when I got into missions, started going to Kenya, been there 18 times over the past 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people out there, they, they have this, this shallow, superficial, uh, almost just, I mean, it's, it's so shallow understanding of the Bible. They can quote a few cliches, this, that, the other, but they don't actually know what the Bible says. And so because of that, they make themselves susceptible to deception and the winds of false doctrine blow and they get swept away because they're not rooted and grounded in what the Bible actually says. Yes. And so we want to try to help people and, you know, you tell us, how does a person get into the Bible? How do they get to where they can actually study the Bible on their own? Where do you start? What do you do? Well, I think the first step is exactly what you just mentioned, and that is we need a revival of Bible reading. Mm. You know, I think sometimes we're trying to teach people all these great doctrinal truths and put substance in them, and they're not even reading the Bible. Mm. You cannot know what you don't read. Um, It takes about, they tell me, I've never done this, and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but they tell me it takes an average reader 70 hours and 40 minutes to read through the entire Bible at one sitting. So. You sat down, Genesis 1-1, read all the way through 70 hours and 40 minutes. Well, nobody's going to do that. But divide that by 365 days in a year, the average reader could read through the entire Bible in 12 minutes a day. Wow. Now, that's thought-provoking because you think about, you know, how many times do we watch television for 12 minutes or uh, on the Internet for 12 minutes or text for 12 minutes or eat for 12 minutes. I do that several times a day. So, uh, I mean, if you just set aside 12 minutes a day to do nothing but just read the Bible, Mm-hmm. And of course, I believe Revelation 1 verse 3, blessed is he that readeth. I think there is a unique blessing associated with the reading, not only of the book of Revelation, but of all scripture. Mm-hmm. And you can't stop there, but you have to start there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm afraid sometimes we're trying to get people to study when they don't even read. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and for me, i be very transparent with you. Um, I can get bored easily. Mm-hmm. And that's some of that's just personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've had to do with my Bible reading is I don't do it the same way all the time. I switch it up and I've found a little variety for me is good. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has to figure out what works for them. I'm not a proponent of if you don't read this many chapters a day and you know, this long a day, then you're not a spiritual person. Cause I don't think you find that in scripture. And I like what uh, Dr. Sales taught us years ago. Uh, He said, don't be a slave to anything but Jesus. I like that. So um, I think for me, I have had to do it different ways just to keep myself engaged Mm -hmm. uh, at times. So like uh, last year, at the beginning of the year, I did something I'd never done before. And you may have done this. Others may have done much more than this. But I took a a 90-day reading plan and I said, all right, I'm going to try to read through my Bible in 90 days. Hmm. Okay, in 90 days... Um, you don't do a lot of study, you know, you do a lot of reading, Mm -hmm. but what I found was two, two things happened. One, it did something for my mind. It brought a freshness. Uh, I mean, there is a truly a washing of the water by the word. So it did something for the renewing of my mind. Then related to Bible study, it showed me connections. You know, sometimes we get, so we're looking at one portion of scripture. We forget how it's connected to everything else around it. When you read through the Bible in 90 days, you're reading through whole books of the Bible at a time. Wow. So when you do that, you're seeing the beginning, the middle, the end, and all the things that are connected to it. Mm-hmm. That really helped me. Um, uh, something else that my wife and I are doing this year, we're reading through the Bible chronologically. Um, wow. And that's been a help to me devotionally. 
so that I would see, okay, here's where this Psalm fits in this historical book. Here's where this prophet fits with this king. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's helpful. But the point is this, however you do it, read, you know, set aside time just to read the Bible. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I think that's step number one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, my my uh, senior year of high school, I was playing on the football team and I, you know, I had such a light academic schedule when I came to Crown College. I hadn't even written my name to a piece of paper in months, you know. And so, um, you know, for me to actually go from from that, just a blue collar guy, you know, kid in Metro Atlanta to somebody who's, you know, now thrust into an area where I have to use my brain. And also I had to start from somewhere. And so, yeah, I, I just said, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to sit down and read. Even if I don't retain anything, I'm just going to just start reading it yes. and uh, just let it go through my mind. And the old illustration I, I heard from a preacher and it was a country preacher down there in Georgia. He said, uh, uh, you know, he, a man came to his pastor, said, Pastor, I'm not getting anything out of my Bible reading. And he said, well, take this strainer. And they took a strainer. And he said, go down to the river and fill it up with water. And he'd, he'd go fill it up and he'd come back and it'd be empty. And he said, go do it again. He did it three or four times. And he said, this, this strainer's not holding any water. And he says, yeah, but I want you to notice how much cleaner it is now that all that went through it. That's a great, great illustration. <laughs> and so, you know, even if you don't get anything, just read it. You know, we're not asking to be scholars, but just read the Bible. So I think that's a great point, Brother Polly. Well, and, and you know, um, I, I wrote an article not long ago. When I read the Bible, I look for three things always. And this has just helped me. Everybody's got their own way of doing it, but it, this is easy for me to remember. Number one, I pay attention to, to repetition. Hmm. So when God repeats himself, it's never because he forgot he said it. It's because there's something there he doesn't want us to forget he said. So uh, it's, a, it's an emphasis. So if I see a phrase repeated, a word repeated, uh, a repetition of thought, um, I try to pay attention to repetition. That really helps me. Number two, I pay attention to definition. So um, when I come to a word that I don't know what it means, I stop and I try to find out, use the tools at my disposal. Um, and, and we could talk more about that. But I, I think sometimes we just assume we know what a word means. I mean, honestly, and you, you know this, I've heard preachers preach whole sermons around a word that they superimpose the meaning, their meaning on the word. Yeah. And that's very dangerous. You know, I remember the first words that I ever did, you'll like this at, at uh, Crown College. Um, Brother Kaiser was, was our Greek teacher. And uh, he said, look, fellas, I want you to learn Greek for one reason, just as a tool, as a tool. So one of the great things you need to learn is how to do a word study. Mm-hmm. So I picked a word I just, I already knew the answer to, you know, I picked first John one, nine, confess. If we confess our sins, like, ah, I know what confess means. And then I started studying it and I found out I did not only not know what it meant, but I had been preaching it theologically incorrect. Oh, wow. Now that's, that's interesting, isn't it? First word study I ever did. Because I'd always heard the word confess preach like, you know, you tell God how sorry you are for your sin. And, um, you know, it's almost like you're trying to convince God to forgive you. You know, we confess our sin. Well, the word confess is not that at all. It literally means say the same thing. Hmm. So this is beautiful. This is profound. When we say the same thing about our sin that God says about our sin, at that moment, God says you're forgiven and cleansed. Wow. So you don't have to convince God to forgive and cleanse you. He's standing waiting to do that. All you got to do is agree with God, call it what God calls it. Hmm. And uh, that, that opened that up to me. So that taught me a lesson early on. Don't assume, ask questions. What does this mean? Sure. And then the third thing I'm always looking for besides repetition and definition is location. Hmm. 
where does this fit in scripture? If scripture is a progressive revelation of truth, then it's important to see, okay, where does this fit in time? Uh, this particular book of the Bible, does it connect any other books of the Bible? Hmm. Um, you understand what I'm saying? If, if yeah. scripture is given line upon line, precept upon precept, then it's very important to get the context of this text you're reading. And those three little keys have helped me just in reading and studying the Bible to get more out of my Bible reading. Right. Sure. Sure. Wow. Well, uh, you know, just the, the, the definition of words, I think, you know, when I talked about, you, you talked about confess, and I remember you even teaching that years ago, confession just means to agree with God. There's yeah. a lot of applications. It's, it just unlocks that word. So when you go to Romans 10, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. um, there, there's so much application. Just, it really, it helps bring out more meaning out of the Bible and, you know, the words that uh, we just kind of gloss over. And so that's, that's, that's very exactly. interesting. Yes, sir. It is. Praise the Lord for that. Well, um, you know, when you, when you read the Bible, okay, you've talked about, you know, there's no, there's no formula to this as far as how many chapters a day you're supposed to read. You know, I was, I was, I heard Bobby Robertson years ago say, I, I've, for the last few years, I've read 10 chapters a day. And I, I mean, I just about fainted when he said that because <laughs> yeah. I thought I, I don't, there's not enough time in the day to do that. Um, but so, you know, even this morning, I just read, I read three chapters and I just had a marvelous time what God did there. So is it a, is it a matter of just covering real estate or, I mean, what do you, what do you think if, you know, for example, there's sometimes I've read five chapters and just felt like I got nothing. There's times I've read three verses and I just, it just opened up to me. It's just amazing. Yes. And uh, so what do you, what do you say to folks to say, you know, okay, what do I do? 12 minutes a day. Anybody can do that. But what, what if I want to do more? What do you think about all that? Yeah, and, and I'm very careful not to criticize people who do it differently than I do it because everybody's different. Uh, and I think God leads people certain ways. I've done certain types of Bible reading and Bible study in unique ways at certain seasons of my life. Mm-hmm. There were times where, frankly, I needed more. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I mean, we always need it. We need it all the time. But there were seasons in my life, my soul, where I was struggling. And great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So. I needed more time just immersed in scripture. Um, but if I can answer it this way, it would be, I try to read until I know God has spoken to me. So somebody says, how many chapters do you read? Do you read three, five, 10, 12, 20? I try to read till I know God has spoken to me. Yeah. And that I've met with him. Yeah. So some days I may read 10 or 12 chapters. Some days I may read six verses. And the Holy Spirit so arrest me and say, why don't you stop right here today and meditate on this? Why don't you camp here for a little while? Yeah, sure. Because I think, okay, what is the goal of reading and studying the Bible? It's not knowledge. You know, Paul said, knowledge puffeth up. Mm. I'm afraid sometimes we've made the wrong goal. And so we've got people who have a head full of knowledge and, you know, a notebook full of notes, but they don't really intimately know God as far as fellowshipping with him. Right. It's my conviction. The word of God leads to worship. Hmm. Yeah. That when, when we're look, the scriptures, this is my worship book. Yeah. So what the word should do, if it's God's revelation of himself, it should help me know God better. Hmm. It should help me come into his presence. Right. As a matter of fact, um, I have found for me that if I will approach the Bible and let God speak to me and then talk to God about whatever God's talking to me about. It brings a new freshness to both the scripture and my prayer life. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You know, devotions get in a rut. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And 
uh, I like what old Vance Havner said. He said, a rut's just a grave with both ends knocked out of it. Yeah. And that's right. It's death. <laughs> right. Okay. So how do you keep it fresh? Mm. Um, you and I are having a conversation right now. Mm. We're friends. If we said we were going to have a conversation and you started talking and an hour later, I hadn't said a word. I'm just nodding my head. We're not really having a conversation. You're mm. giving a lecture. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yet, why do we do that with God? We come to the Bible and we read the Bible and then we close the Bible and say, okay, now I'm going to pray. Or we pray and then we say, okay, I'm done. Amen. Now I'm going to read the Bible. That to me, that's separating the back and forth communication with God. Hmm. Um, I think when you come to scripture, you ought to look at the word of God as not just a, a study book, but as a prayer book. Wow. So as you're walking through the passage, pray your way through the scriptures. That's something that really revolutionized my life years ago. Mm. Uh, somebody gave me a copy of a book. It was written by a man that, frankly, I wouldn't agree with everything that he wrote. Mm. But the premise of the book was life-changing for me. Mm. And it, the whole premise was praying the scriptures. Mm. And he said, if you will pray your way through the Bible, the Bible will open up to you. Wow. And not only will the Bible open up to you, but your prayer life will take on new substance. I still remember the first book of the Bible I ever did that with. It was the book of Proverbs. I kept a journal at the time, and I'm going to tell you something. It was one of the most exciting months of my life. I thought I knew Proverbs. Yeah. <laughs> then I started praying my way through the Proverbs, and I started seeing things. They were there all along. But when you start talking to the author about it, hmm. he starts turning the light on your soul. Sure. I mean, it changes everything. And instead of my prayer life being just reading a list and the dull rote memory kind of stuff we do, mm. Um, I was having a real conversation with God about things he was talking to me about. Wow. Wow. And so that, that was life changing for me. Well, it's funny that the Bible is a, is a living book. It's not just some religious textbook. It's right. a living word. And it's the only book in existence where the author will come and sit and read it with That's you. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. He lives inside of me. Yeah. And so it's pretty bad. I read his book and never talk to him about it, you know? <laughs> so uh, I think there's something to that. It, let, let me, let me connect that to something else. If I may, for just a minute. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the missing elements in Bible study today is meditation. Hmm. Um, I mean, we've lost the meaning of the word meditate. I mean, with all this Eastern mysticism, you know, when I even say meditate, most people see some little guy sitting on a rug, right? No. That is the goal of that kind of meditation is manward, not Godward. Right. It, its goal is empty your mind. And most of us don't have to work too hard at that. You know, Bible meditation is the exact opposite. It's fill your mind. Right. Okay. So what does it mean to truly meditate on scripture? Now this, this is something I would say in the last two years, God has really been teaching me by my own personal time with him and, and practice just experience. I wish I had learned it years ago. There are, there are a couple of different words used for meditate in scripture. One is the idea of to think on, to muse. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Psalm says, Selah, stop and think about that. So that engages your mind and that's good. And usually that's where we stop. Most people think when you talk about Bible meditation, it just means concentrate real hard on what you're reading. But there is another word for meditate that means to murmur. That is actually the word that is frequently used when it's related to scripture. Now, this is, this is interesting to me, but if I said to you, how do you meditate? Most people immediately say, well, you do that in your mind. Hmm. But when you read the Bible, God connects meditation, not just to your mind, but to your mouth. 
Hmm. For example, Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. mouth. Yeah. Right. But thou shalt meditate. Okay. Hmm. So he puts a correlation, a connection between meditation and what you do with your mouth. Uh, let's bring that into everyday life. <laughs> you and I are having to think about this subject right now because we're talking about it. Yeah. Like whatever you talk about, you, you force yourself to think on it. Mm. And as you talk it through, it even comes clearer to you. Hmm. For example, as a preacher, have you ever been preaching a sermon and in the middle of the sermon said something you didn't really study? You didn't write out your notes. You didn't plan to say it was like the light came on to you in that text. Hmm. I mean, you saw it while you were talking about it. Yes. Yes. Okay? absolutely. That's because while you were preaching it, you were meditating. Yeah. Wow. You were using your mouth and God was showing you more light on that subject. Hmm. So wow. I think one of the lost arts to real understanding of scripture, Bible study is we need to learn how to engage our mouth again hmm. in the matter of meditation. Sure. And what I recommend to people, they do that three ways. Number one, talk to God. Hmm. And that's what made me think of it. We were talking about praying your way through scripture, talk to the author. So um, I literally like to pray my way through a passage and verse by verse, if there's a promise that I can claim, if there is a sin to confess, sometimes my prayer is, dear Lord, I don't understand this verse. Help me. But whatever it is, I'm talking to him. Mm. Number two, talk to yourself. Mm. We all do that from time to time. It's all right when you're using scripture, you know, so you, you, you mutter, you murmur to yourself. I think that's why Bible memory is so important. It helps you do that through the day wow. um, and talk it out. But then this has really been good for me share it with somebody else, talk to somebody else about it. Hmm. Like when God's teaching me something from scripture, I love driving down the road to say to Tammy, to my wife, Hey, let me tell you something that God's really showing me. What do you think about this passage? And as I'm talking to her many times, it becomes even clearer to me. Hmm. I think the reason for that is those are just applications of the principle of using your mouth to meditate on scripture. Sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, yeah, I've been uh, talking about meditation and Eastern, you know, my, my mysticism and all that kind of stuff. I've seen a lot of that over in Africa, sure. and uh, so you're saying just uh, the difference between Eastern meditation is to empty your mind, and and biblical meditation is to fill your mind with the Word of God. Right, and uh, that's that's incredible. You know, I'm actually going through a book on Spurgeon right now. I'm actually hoping um, I can get it reprinted uh, myself and get that done. And uh, but just reading his sermons, how many biblical references he used just as a, just as a cliche in a conversation. It's, right. it's like those old people, the especially the Puritans and John Bunyan and those that they would just the, the the cliches they used were biblical cliches, and most people today don't even know what those are anymore. Well, they were full of scripture. You know, when you get that much into the Bible, it gets in you. It becomes part of your your mm -hmm. conversation, the way you think. That's what's wrong with our country. You know, there was a day that even peripheral people who were not extremely religious, they knew enough Bible that there was some context. Mm -hmm. Now there's such an increasing secularization of society that people don't think that way. Yeah. They don't think male and female. We say, what? Yeah. But they're not thinking biblically. And, but this, the sadder thing is we like to fuss about all the lost people that don't think biblically, but what about all the saved people that don't think biblically? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the only way to correct that is Bible meditation. <laughs> you know, this whole time we've been talking, we started with reading, then we went to study, then we went to meditation. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a natural progression of thought there that Paul actually used with Timothy. 
Hmm. You remember when he, when he wrote to him in first Timothy four, he said, give attention, give attention to reading. That was first. Then exhortation and doctrine. That's the study of it. Hmm. And then two verses down, he says, meditate upon these things. Wow. So there is a, there is a logical and a spiritual progression in this. You know, you read that's your entry point. You study to understand what this means, Mm -hmm. but then meditation takes it to the next level because it takes you to communing with God about it. Mm. Um, You mentioned the Puritans and I don't have it with me, but years ago I read, they said there was like four or five different applications of scripture. There was the historical, there was the theological, uh, there was the, um, the spiritual, or I think they called it the devotional, which was worship. And then there was the personal, which meant, okay, how am I going to apply this to my life now? Wow. I think only meditation gets you beyond the facts to how is this going to help my marriage today? Mm. You know, what, what is in this for me to teach my children? Mm. How's this going to help me on the job? And I, I think that's ultimately where we're going, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, that's what uh, a lot of churches today, you know, they're saying, well, you know, we're trying to preach relevant sermons. We're trying to be relevant to the culture. And I I can't think of anything more relevant than just actually just giving what the Bible actually says. Well, that's right. Yeah, you don't have to make truth relevant. It is relevant. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's just like when you remember this from homiletics class, but, um, you know, with Ezra and Nehemiah in that time period, they read the Bible, they gave the sense that caused them to understand the reading. I mean, it's real simple. You read the Bible, explain the Bible, apply the Bible. And to anyone who's listening to us that preaches or teaches the Bible, just stick with that pattern. Read the Bible, explain the Bible, apply the Bible. You can never go wrong that way. You know, and the, and the problem with that is, is that that's not always flashy and that's not always, you know, wild, crazy out there. But, uh, you know, most meals are just meat and potatoes and that's really what we need. But most folks are so are, are just so attracted uh, to the flashy over the top stuff. When yes. really, that's not what we always need. We just that's need true. just a regular, somebody just read the Bible, give the sense, and give that a, a meaning in my life. And I mean, that's that's really what, what we need. It's not always what we want. We always like to be entertained, and we always, I, I'm noticing a lot of preachers who get in a lot of meetings are the funniest preachers in the world, but you know, that's not always what we need. We don't always need a good joke. We just need Bibles, what we need. You know, Pastor Sexton, who influenced both of us greatly um, early on, he taught me even when you choose your um, titles for messages, he said, it's always better to be scriptural than spectacular. Mm -hmm. I've never forgotten that. So, you know, you could come up with some spectacular title and somebody says, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But in the end, what do you want them to remember your amazing title? Or would you rather them walk away? And if they remember nothing else, they remember a phrase from scripture, a word from the Bible. And it's the only thing God promised would not return void. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm with you, I think, but here's the beautiful thing I'm noticing, you know, I'm in different churches every week of my life and I have learned even as an evangelist, people have certain expectations on outside preachers when they come in. Mm. Um, what I have come to is the sufficiency of scripture mm. and my conviction that I don't have to preach good sermons. Mm. What I have to do is give them the Bible. Right. And what I've discovered when I just preach the Bible, just give them the word of God the substance speaks for itself. Mm, it, yeah. People who are hungry know when they're being fed. Mm. And so uh, I, look, when I leave a church, I really don't care if they remember me or my sermons. 
But if those people fell in love with the Bible and learned that the word of God's enough and God spoke to me, I need to get into the scriptures more myself, then I feel like it's been worth having the meeting. Sure, sure. Well, that's one thing that always, uh, that initially attracted me to uh, Crown College was Clarence Sexton came preaching our church and he preached that message. He, uh, I, I haven't heard him preach in a long time, but that message on Jeremiah 8 slightly. Oh yeah, and, that's uh, powerful. Oh brother, he, he about blew the lights out of that place that night. I mean, it was <laughs> awesome. But he used so much Bible in that and I never yeah. forgot that. And even even now, I mean, going through the book of Jeremiah now, I, I still the chapter eight, nine there, I'm thinking, you know, I remember when Pastor Sexton preached this and this just, just, you know, I don't remember the antics. I don't remember the personality. Right. I remember the Bible and I remember what that Bible actually said. And I remember him going through and explaining that he's standing on the steps of the temple preaching this and giving the context and, and expounding that to us. And I, I've never forgot that. And that really was one of the big, I mean, sermons that really shaped my early Christianity was that. That's and so, yeah, the, the Bible can do the work. We just need to give it. Give the word, you know, now that uh, you saying that I had never heard you say that before. That's a perfect example of how one word from scripture can change someone's life. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that, that whole sermon, I remember that Bible message was all built around the word slightly mm -hmm. and uh, the powerful implications of that and the application of it. Um, you know, there's power in the word of God. And, you know, honestly, I see so many people dealing with peripheral issues mm -hmm talking about so many things, trying to fix and straighten out so many things. I've just come to a deepened conviction over the last few years that if we simply preached the truth, it would fix a lot of that mess. Yeah. And you can't straighten all that out without the power of the word of God. Hmm. And, uh, and, and even talking about the Bible is no substitute for teaching the Bible. Yes. And I think if we're not careful, we distract ourselves. Hmm. You know, we, we get off on things that while not bad are distracting us from the meat of what people really need. Mm. And so I think we need a real recommitment of people just to the scriptures in their daily life in ministry, all of it. And if God will help me, that's what I want to try to give the rest of my life in ministry to. However, whatever that means, mm. I want to try to engage as many people in scripture as possible. Sure, sure. Well, you know, we've got folks that'll be watching this and, uh, you know, I deal with a lot of folks who come from a charismatic background, Pentecostal background, uh, and leave a lot of babes in Christ, which is basically what I've dealt with in Africa for a very long time. And, um, what I see is a lot of people say, okay, you know, I'm gonna read the Bible. Let's get, let's start with the book of revelation. Yeah, right. and, uh, you know, and they, and they, they, they get so hung up in all the little bits of symbolism and stuff like that. And um, I've always recommended folks just go to the book of John, just read that, you know, let's, let's leave that alone for just a later date. Let's kick that down the road a little bit, but how would you recommend somebody? Okay. I'm a backslider. I want to start reading the Bible. Um, what, what do I do? Where do I, where do I go? What, what, what do I do? Yeah. It's a great question. And of course you, you never want to, to diminish any scripture. I mean, cause all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable, mm -hmm. but I see the same thing. People, now, again, we're back to the spectacular, right? So Revelation has all the symbolism and the end of the world and who's the Antichrist. And so I'll start there, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a good place to start. It's the final revelation for a reason. And so um, what I would say to people uh, who want to be New Testament Christians, let's start right at the beginning of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. That's a good common sense place to start um, with the gospel records. And you said, John, for example, my favorite gospel record is Mark. 
Um, I like Mark because you can read through 16 chapters really in one sitting fairly easily, especially Mark because it's like this fast moving drama. Yeah. Um, and so I think starting with the gospel records is good because it puts the foundation of Christ in. And so let's begin with Jesus. Um, and then of course my favorite book of the new Testament is really my favorite book of the Bible is the book of Philippians. Mm. And I encourage people to spend some time in Philippians. It's a book of Christian joy. It deals with people in all sorts of circumstances and gives them the secrets to living a victorious Christian life. Um, it's four chapters long. It's brief. It's a good place to meditate, you know, in scripture, but I I'm with you. I, I try to encourage people to start with the gospel records, the life and ministry of Christ. Mm. Okay. And then, uh, so they just go through that and you just want, you just say folks, you know, Hey, let's just go, go read through. And you know, there's no set formula as far as how much to read. Um, and that type of stuff. Um, I think you've got to give people though, some jumping off place. Uh, sure. If I could use that term. So people who are not at all familiar with scripture, I think sometimes we assume too much. Mm. And so I would sit them down and show them, now here's how this book's divided up into this many chapters. I tell you what let's do. Mark has 16 chapters. Let's take a chapter a day. Hmm. Uh, I'll read it. You read it. Let's talk about it. Uh, let me know what you think about this chapter. Ask me questions about this chapter. And so initially, I think a chapter a day is a good bite for most people. Uh, unless you're starting with Psalm 119, you know, so uh, I think a chapter a day is a good, it's a good starting place for people who are trying to get some discipline of Bible reading. Mm. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. What do you do? And I, I have folks ask me this all the time. Uh, there's people that are hung up on what does this verse mean and that type of stuff. Um, what do you do to handle that? Cause I know a lot of folks are going to come to a place where I say, I don't even know what that means. And then they still digging. And then next thing you know, they've got derailed from the whole process, just Bible reading. What, what do you yes. say about that? That's a great question. Well, two, two, there's two parts to that. Number one, I think, you know, there are times to stop and study. So occasionally I'll come to a verse and I'll think, you know, I don't think I can even understand this passage if I don't understand this verse or this word. Mm -hmm. So that's a good place to stop and study. And that's where people need to have access to good Bible study tools. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I go back to the whole idea of definition. I think sometimes we're letting everyone else define the terms for us. And, uh, you know, in our world today, of course, here we are on a, uh, on a media channel, but there's so much media, it can be overwhelming. And people get to listening to someone just because they think find him interesting or whatever. He's an interesting speaker. And that's very dangerous. So I'd be careful what resources you use. I think it's better to invest in some um, solid, proven Bible study tools so that you can study scripture for yourself mm -hmm. rather than just depending on somebody else to tell you, well, this is what this means. Sure. Sure. So, and we could talk about that, but I think that's one part of, of the question. Mm -hmm. The other thing though, that I would say is don't get stuck. There is a time to stop and study, but don't get stuck on something you don't understand. Mm -hmm. There are times after all these years where I'm reading through a book of the Bible and I come to a verse and I think, you know, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Here's the interesting thing about that. I have often found that if I just keep reading, God answers that question for me. Yes. yes. Yeah, I love what the old hymn writer said. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Right. So I think, you know, the old adage of the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible comparing scripture with scripture. Many times when I've read on, may not even be that day, but maybe four days later, I'm reading further in scripture and suddenly the light comes on. God mm -hmm. makes a divine connection for me. Sure. 
Sure. Well, I remember taking Old Testament survey, and uh, I'm not sure if either you or Mr. Tim Thomason was the teacher for that, but uh, yeah, just read through the Old Testament in the in the semester, and I remember look, read the book of Ezekiel, and I have no church background, and I'm sitting here thinking, I have no clue what this <laughs> what is. What is that wheel within the wheel, right? <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but what I did, I just kept going. And uh, I, I don't know who it was. I, it might have been Mark Twain. He says, I'm not too worried about the things in the Bible I don't understand because there's plenty there that I do understand that bothers me. <laughs> I say amen to that. <laughs> now, I, I'll tell you one practical thing I started doing a few years ago that I think has been good for me as a Bible student. And, and isn't it funny? We all want to think of ourselves as Bible teachers. But in the end, we're all just Bible students. Sure. And the things we teach are the things we're studying, the things God's teaching us. And if it ever ceases to be that way, we're, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. But something I started doing a few years ago, um, I try to take a different Bible book every year mm-hmm. and make that my book for the year to give a little more attention to. Yeah. So I'm going to read it all. But every year, if I could take one book of the Bible and say, you know what? I don't think I know Ezekiel like I really ought to know Ezekiel. And we'll get better acquainted with him and his, his book this year. Right. And I may even pick up two or three good resources, Bible study tools on Ezekiel um, to read through. That's been helpful to me mm-hmm. because it's, it's shed a little additional light on some of the, the portion of scripture that I wasn't as familiar with. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Well, let me, uh, let me make a statement here and just for our audience, our audience and, and then really Paulie, you, you give your commentary on this, but uh, I have learned that there really is no substitute for a personal Bible reading life and a devotional life. And uh, I have, as a young Christian, I thought, you know, I'm busy. I'm, you know, I need to get help from the word of God. Okay. I'm just going to pop in a preaching tape and just listen to that. Or I'm just going to pop in a, you know, a music tape or something and listen to that. Right. And maybe that'll just bless me and I can, you know, re- revive my <laughs> spiritual life. Yeah. And, uh, but I found that that's not, that's not going to work. And I have a lot of people ask me all the time. We'll say, you know, Brother Spencer, you say this guy's bad, this guy's bad, this guy's bad, this guy. Well, who do we listen to? Well, it's really not. I mean, pastors and preachers and speakers, they're not the source of truth. The word of God is the word is the source of truth. And you can go there on your own and actually, you, you know, you can feed yourself Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's part of maturity is learning how to feed yourself from the word of God. And I so I learned there really is no substitute for your own personal, just you alone with God in a room, reading the Bible and studying it for yourself. There is no substitute. Yeah, no question about it. You know, as a preacher, um, I'm always giving out. And so I have learned that I do need preaching. Uh, and I enjoy uh, listening to men preach the Bible, teach the Bible. That's helpful. But that cannot substitute for my own time in the Word of God. I think that's the point you're, you're driving at. Um, if we're not careful, uh, we get almost a Catholic idea where, you know, we have to go through somebody else mm. to get in God's presence or to get a word from the Lord. But that's not true. Mm. Uh, we must learn to get into God's Word for ourselves. I'm just thinking back to the old article George Mueller wrote called Soul Nourishment First where he said that the first primary business he had every morning was to get his own soul happy in the Lord. And the way he did that was through time in the scriptures. Hmm. Well, I think that's true. Uh, Learning to feed on the word of God yourself. And then everything else grows and flows out of that. You know, um, for people who are busy in ministry, one of the temptations is to constantly be looking for something to say. (laughs) You're preparing another lesson, another sermon, another series, another whatever. 
And this has been liberating for me. I have learned if I will just get up in the morning and get in God's presence and worship the Lord and enjoy the Lord myself and get my own soul fed, that very often while I'm in my devotional time, just me and God, God will give me for that day exactly what I'm supposed to preach, exactly the emphasis I'm supposed to place. He'll put something in my heart that he knows I'm going to pass along later that day. Wow. And so I think there's something to this thing. You, you keep digging in God's well, you never come up dry. Sure, sure. Well, someone said, I believe they said it about Jonathan Edwards. Uh, it was either him or George Whitfield, but they said, Jonathan Edwards spends six days a week in eternity, and on the seventh day, he comes down and tells everybody what he saw. <laughs> that's pretty good. You know? <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, that's really, the, I've learned I've had to operate that way. Uh, just because if not, you'll become a dry well. You have to just feed yourself constantly. And I've learned, you know, yeah, there is a temptation there with, with preaching, even with a YouTube channel, you know, uh, what's the next thing I'm supposed to say? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just a messenger. I'm just supposed to say what God wants me to say. And, uh, you know, if I can't, if I can't go to the one with the message, then, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't have a message. That's really how this works. You know, there's a wonderful expression in the Psalms. And of course, it's a reference to the children of Israel. Uh, and specifically to Jerusalem. But the psalmist wrote, all my springs are in thee. Hmm. He meant that everything they needed, all the resources was supplied, flowed out of that place. I think spiritually, we've got to get there. Hmm. All my springs are in the Lord. It all flows from him. I'm just a conduit. I'm not the source. And, you know, sometimes we're, we're drawing from dead seas and, stale ponds, stagnant water. Yeah. And that's one reason, you know, I'm on the road all the time. And the, the old joke about evangelist is, you know, they have three sermons and, you know, 300 titles and they just repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah, five, six, I made five up, sermons, you know. <laughs> yes, right. But I made up my mind early on and I'll repeat messages as God leads me to do it. But I made up my mind early on that every week of my life, I was going to try to dig in new portions of scripture. Yeah. So every week, I'm, I'm trying to, I may have preached even through the passage before, but I'm going to go back, I'm going to dig, I'm going to study, and I'm trying not to just repeat the same thing. Uh, this week, I preached uh, three days on the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, next week, I'm planning to preach a revival meeting, all of it out of the Lord's last sermon on his way to the cross, John 14 through 16, and then the high priestly prayer in John 17. It helps me to be in new portions of scripture every week, different portions of scripture every week, not so much for the people as it is. It keeps me fresh. Yeah. yeah. If I get stale, then I have nothing fresh to give them. Hmm. And you know, the word of God's perennially fresh. We're the ones who get stale. And so I think we all have to discover how do I keep my own heart fresh in the Lord and then work at that every day. Hmm. Wow. Well, and we think that the, uh, I believe that the main way to do that is just your own personal Bible reading and personal Amen. Bible study. And so yeah, any- somebody asked me the other day, they said, these sermons you get, where do you get them from? <laughs> and I said, you know, God speaks to me. I'll hear a message and God can speak to me. I'll have an experience. God will speak to me. But 90% of the messages I give grew out of my devotional time because I learned if God speaks to me, it will speak to somebody else. And this dawned on me one day, maybe the reason God's even giving this to me is not just for me. Hmm. Maybe the whole point is 
I'm supposed to give this. You know, Paul said, we comfort them who are in any trouble with the same comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what we got to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, nobody likes those leftovers. I know I certainly don't. That's right. Eat that uh, again, reheat that again and again. It gets kind of old after a while. So we fresh manna, don't we? Yeah, we absolutely do. Absolutely. Oh, good. Well, Brother Polly, I I want you to do this. You've got a fantastic podcast, Enjoying the Journey. Um, Why don't you just tell folks where they can find that, where that's at, and uh, and so they can go hear that themselves. I appreciate that. And Again, no substitute for your own personal time in scripture, right? <laughs> but maybe this is a, a good uh, supplement to someone mm-hmm. or an encouragement for people just to get back into the Bible. Um, it's funny, when we started our podcast, I hate to tell you this, I didn't even know what a podcast was. And somebody said, have you ever considered doing a podcast? So I had to educate myself about it. But it's been a great platform for us just because it gives me an opportunity to continue to do some Bible teaching. And it puts it on a platform that people anywhere in the world could listen to at any time. Mm-hmm. So our podcast is called enjoying the journey. Um, the title of that interestingly enough came from long ago when I was a college student, I heard Dr. Hudson say, I know I'm going to enjoy the destination, but I think I'm supposed to enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, that stuck with me. And of course I love the book of Philippians and the principle of Christian joy. So we took that and we're journeying through scripture mm-hmm. and um, it is just a Bible study. It's 10 minutes a day, five days a week. Um, we have people now literally around the world who are joining us on it. We're hearing from people constantly. That's very encouraging. Um, you can find it on whatever your preferred podcast player is. It's there. Uh, but you can go to Apple iTunes or Google podcast. Um, the pot, the platform that we use to broadcast is called Podbean. Uh, but any of the players will have it. And if you, if you don't want to do that, uh, you can go to our website and the website's very easy. It's just my name. It's scottpauley.org. And there's a broadcast section there. Actually, on our website, we have an archive of all of them from the time we started. So there's, I don't know, five or 600 episodes there now. So if people wanted to go back and go through the archive, because we've walked through several books of the Bible and Bible characters, and um, I don't know when our talk will even air, but we are starting uh, next week a brand new series that I personally can't wait uh, to, to go through we've already recorded a number of them, but we're going to walk through all 150 Psalms. Wow. And we're going to do only one episode on each Psalm. That's it. Even Psalm 119. So we can't cover everything, but the idea is here's the central message of this Psalm. Sure. And then here's how it applies to our life. So I'm just trying to help people get into the God's word and I appreciate the recommendation. And if folks want to join us on the journey, it's easy to find enjoying the journey and we'd love to have them. Amen. Well, I've got it pulled up here on my phone right there. Hey, look at it. So I've, I have enjoyed that very much and I appreciate you doing all that time and effort to go through all that. And it's been a blessing to me. So I appreciate that. God bless you, man. Appreciate that. Amen. Well, folks, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump off here. Uh, I appreciate you guys watching this channel. Go visit Brother Polly's website, scottpolly.org. And uh, I believe you got a newsletter or something, don't you? Yes, sir. There's a quarterly newsletter and uh, blog articles that get published, and there's several downloadable resources there that may be of interest to people. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, folks, go check out his website. It's great, great resource, great stuff. Uh, you know, everything Brother Polly does has been wonderful. And, uh, you know, this is one of those guys that if somebody calls me with a Bible question, I just say, call Scott Polly, whatever he says, what I believe. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs>
<laughs> and so, but uh, yeah, go check that out. And then if for folks who watch this channel, go ahead and subscribe. We're going to try to bring many more uh, good interviews like this one. Hopefully we can have Brother Polly back again before too long and uh, talk about all different kinds of stuff. And so we appreciate him uh, taking the time to be here with us. Uh, Brother Polly, what's a, won't you leave us here with a good quote to end this uh, video with, something that you heard recently that really was a blessing to you? Man, now, now you put me on the spot. I hadn't even thought about a good quote today. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Let me, let me do this. I just changed my life verse. And uh, I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not, because it is a life verse, but I have, so don't tell anybody. Yeah. But I, I've changed my life verse to Acts 20, 24. Uh, and none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry, which I've received of the Lord Jesus, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Hmm. And um, I, I guess the greatest uh, truth I've just been musing on lately comes from that verse. And it is simply this that I not only want to finish my course, I want to finish my course with joy. Yeah. I've seen so many people end sour and unhappy, and I don't think that's the Lord's way. And I remember a good, a good quote Pastor Sexton gave us years ago. He said, I don't want to just be on the right side. I want to stay on the bright side. Wow. And I think that's a, a great principle for all of us to try to enjoy the Lord, enjoy his word, enjoy the journey. Yeah, well, this, some people like to project into people's mind that the Christian life is some sort of trip to Calvary every day to get crucified, when really it's not. We can enjoy the journey, and I'm thankful for that. I'm living on the resurrection side, amen? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Polly, for coming on. And you folks that are watching this, subscribe to our channel and go check out Brother Polly's website. His podcast, tremendous stuff, and I know that you will like it. So God Thanks bless you guys. God bless you. Yes, sir, brother. Thank